Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm joined with Noah Elias, and I'm super excited to have him. He came to Creative South, which everybody knows I'm probably a huge fan of Creative South. They don't mm. pay me or anything. I just really love Mike Jones and love what they're doing, yep. um, but I am a, a, a convert for Creative South for sure. So um, just so you know, Design Recharge is every week, so feel free to tell us where you're from, if you have a weird chat name over here on the side, just write your real name so we know what to call you. And then if you have a question, pop it up and we'll get it answered. So Noah, you have done some amazing stuff. Mm. And, um, but I loved your story and you um, became a Christian at age nine. And so there was a whole bunch of stuff that had kind of a, um, a stormy upbringing, I would say. Mm. Um, so give us a little bit of your background and then where your love for, drawing and illustration kind of began yeah so i mean i had always been really excited about art and or creativity at a young age um you know three or five years old i remember it being something that i was passionate about and seeing my dad draw and seeing uh, you know just coloring books and drawing in general was just always really exciting um my dad and my great-grandfather and my grandmother they they on his side did sign lettering and um, gold leaf work and everything was done by hand. It wasn't done. There wasn't computers back then. So the traditional sign pinning and hand lettering was always a big deal. Uh, it also, my dad used to follow Rick Griffin a lot. Uh, my daughter's named after Rick and uh, her name is uh, Griffin. And uh, Rick had a profound impact on my life in terms of illustration, pen and ink and drawing and, uh, rapidograph pens. So that was a big part of my upbringing and my attraction to the craft was back in, gosh, junior high, high school. Yeah. So then one, one thing I heard you say, because I've done my stocking, I guess, um, is that you, you would spend the weekends at Disneyland because you grew up in uh, Orange County, California, right? Yep. And so yep. you yes. spent time there. Yeah. There was this love for Disney as well. Yeah, so in, in Southern California, my grandparents lived right near Disneyland on both sides of our family. And and so um, there was this this exposure to Disney at a very young age, obviously very fun, lots of enchantment and wonder. And, uh, you know, it was a wonderful place to be inspired and storytelling and cartoons. And, uh, yeah, I lit up. It was It was a big part of my life. And uh, little did I know that it would be coming back into my life later on in my life. But um, yeah, I was uh, very, very inspired by that brand because it was one of the few brands that was actually doing something that I wanted to be doing. Not necessarily the, the, the work it was creating, but in the, the structure of the company and the structure of the company, uh, in, in terms of the structure of the content that they were creating, not just the content itself, you know, you're in the business of cartoons, but it's mostly, mostly the holistic approach to, having one brand that has multi um, multi divisions of impact and creativity. So that's what attracted me the most. So, all right. So let's go back a little bit to the, the story maybe where um, you had a little bit of struggle and you had talked about, um, I have like, I took a ton of notes at creative South. Um, this it was like multiple pages. It was, I think it was eight pages total is yep. what you got in my sketchbook. And so um, one of them was that your world kind of got rocked at 28, but throughout this, you were always a Christian. You always kind of held on. I really kind of want, I guess, to bring a part of that as, because it seems like you being a follower of Jesus has been a huge, 
uh, impact on your life and on your work. It's not mm -hmm. just like, oh, it's something I do on Sunday. Like it's, it's something, even when your world has rocked, been rocked, it's still been your foundation. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, at 28 was a midlife crisis for me because I started my business in high school. And so I had already been doing things for 14 years and that seems like a long time. So, um, you know, if you really look at how long I've been doing this, it's well over 30 years. Um, being a creative, being an artist, being an entrepreneur, being a, a freelancer um, and making a living from creativity. But at 28 was the, the crisis of faith from the standpoint of, Hey, I know, the Lord's got my life, but I don't, you know, I feel like he's given me a Ferrari, but I don't have the keys. And I've been given this amazing gift, this amazing weapon that I want to use to impact the world, but I didn't know where to start in terms of the impact that this could have and what I'm supposed to do with my time and my talent and my treasure. How do I, how do I get my life purpose in order mm -hmm. so that I can wake up with the reassurance and the understanding that what I'm doing today is exactly the right thing to be doing. And at 28, because of the 14 years of already being in such a build mode for so many years of honing my craft, learning how to do creativity as best as I could possibly doing it, you know, making it into a business, some money coming and enough money to where I knew that I, was, I could make a living from it. But I was disenchanted because the midlife crisis at 28 years old was I've got this weapon. And I don't know what to create. I don't know what story to tell in terms of, you know, I can paint flowers. I can paint, you know, all these different subject matters. And so it was almost like I felt like I was cursed with the gift of being able to, to paint and create anything. Um, one, one part of that also was that I was fearless and, and wasn't scared of anything. So I wasn't afraid. So I, I, I happily, regardless of the, the assignment that God would give me or the new project or the new opportunity, I would walk in full, full blown willing to fail. And so I felt ready. Mm -hmm. I felt prepared. I felt like I had a passion, but I didn't know what I should be spending my time on. And where it really took, where it really took hold was when I sat there that night and, and um, prayed about it, cried about it, was frustrated about it. And um, the best thing I can describe is the Lord will usually, with me, use circumstances to get my attention. And uh, also, the heat will get turned up enough to where I'll really have to pay attention. You know, sometimes that can be circumstances that are trying. Sometimes that can be writer's block. Sometimes that can be um, a situation with a client or whatever. But regardless, there's a circumstance that brings me to a point where I'm like, listen, I had to face this and deal with this because it has to change. So it, basically what I had to do was just say, all right, what do you want me to do with what I've got, with what I got in front of me? And he's like, well, take, take your journal and paint your journal, paint the pages from your journal, share that story, those stories with, with the world through art. And I, at the time I thought, well, how am I going to do that? What imagery would, what imagery would be appropriate and the best fit to portray the messages that are in that, in, in the journal. So at first it was, um, okay, what are people going to buy? What would people want to hang on their wall? And I'm right. like, okay, all right. If it, it, it's one thing to have a piece of your creativity look really cool on a computer screen or really cool on an easel, but that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to want to, 
put it on a t-shirt and wear it on their body mm-hmm. or put it on, you know, put it on a canvas or a print, and hang it in their wall and make it a part of their life. Right. Um, our, 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 our houses are museums and a testimony to our life. And inside of our houses, we share what we love, what we're into and memories that we have or things in common with other people. So I had to think about that. I thought with the end in mind, what, what are people going to want to make a part of their life that actually, um, that they can relate to? And so then I thought, well, my story is their story. We all are going through massive struggles and pains and overcoming and breaking through and um, going through that journey in life. That's, that's life. So how can I portray that? So I went home and I took about five canvases, painted these six foot canvases that were angels and mermaids and um, angels and mermaids and fairies at the time, because that was a way to express my um, and show my emotion, but through these timeless kind of images. And a gentleman pulled up in a Lamborghini a couple days later after they were all hung up and he bought all of them and it was like almost $50,000. And I was like, wow, I just painted my story. And I was really true to myself and painted authentically, not what I thought people wanted to see, but painted what truly meant the world to me. And I had to drop the fig leaf of my false identity of not pretending and just be really who God called me to be and nobody else. And um, even now today, it's really easy to fall into a comparison trap with the feeds of Instagram and all these social where, you know, we've got all these images that are constantly plaguing us and seeing us as like, hey, this is the standard. This is what's good. This is what this is the trends. This is where things are headed. This is what everybody's into. And my 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 drive is to create create a niche, create something unique, create something original that's never been seen before. And I believe when we as creatives tap into that and take the time to dive and discover that of what really is driving us, what is our purpose? What's the story that we want to tell? Meaning what's happened to us in our own experience so far. If you take what's happened to you in your own experience and fuse that with the craftsmanship of what you've got in your, in your head in terms of how you can play that out, whether it be sculpture or design or art or, you know, calligraphy or you name it. Right. Um, if you couple those two together, the craft along with your heart, that your heart is in it, um, you're going to see profound, profound results. And so at 28, back to your point, the 28 years old crisis for me was that identity crisis of um, who am I, what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to do it? I knew how I was supposed to do it, but I didn't know who I was and what I was supposed to do with that gift. So that's where it all came together for me. So there was a a video that I watched, I think, and it was really your testimony. And um, I think it was at 20, and I could be wrong because I'm not perfect. But but at 28, you kind of realized that, uh, and maybe it wasn't 28, but there was a time in your life when you, um, there was addiction in your family's life. And you realized that you didn't, weren't dealing with drugs or alcohol, but you were addicted to people uh, and trying to solve people's problems or and instead of looking at your own and was that about that same time? And then that, or was that different times? There's a little bit of different time, but it was, um, you know, I had, I had to realize, um, I had to realize that my, one second. Hey bud, I'm on a phone call. I was just looking for mom. All right. Um, sorry, that was my son. We do homeschooling. So he's in, um, so that was, that was a different time. Um, you know, well, it was sort of around the two. It was mostly my 20s where I was defining my life but based on how successful I could be, 
how great of a girl that I can have on my arm. Um, very performance driven and successful um, in that way. I defined myself by what I did, what clients that I had, and who was in my life. And so uh, it was very, very self-driven. And that's why I got disappointed so quickly is because I put my hope in my clients. I put my hope into whoever I was in relationship with. I did, I put my hope into my bank account. I found my, I found my, um, my self-worth on mm -hmm. my net worth. If, if there's a lot of money in the bank, then I felt great about myself, that I must be doing things right. And I must be um, a good artist and I must be, um, you know, that was a very shame based, shame driven um, way of looking at life. And once you realize, and my, my new book that I just finished, Fear Hunters, um, which we can talk about a little bit, but Fear Hunters really debunks and dismantles that way of thinking and really helping others um, that are listening to step into what would life look like without these fears, lies, and shame plaguing you on a daily basis if you were living out your true and authentic self. And so once I started realizing that um, shame says this, this is shame's message to you and us as creatives. You are who you are based on what you do. Mm. And for me, my identity in Christ says this, it says you are who you are regardless of what you do. But then when I go, okay, now I know who I am and it has nothing to do with what I do. Why do I then do what I do? I do what I do because I want my life to be as an act of worship back to him. Right. So if I can leverage my creativity out of the motive of pleasing him, glorifying him, bringing attention to him, giving, giving a hope to people. Now my creativity and my craft is an entirely different mechanism. It's an entirely different me meaning behind it. It's not just to be success. It's, it's to be significant and how we can leverage that significant. So you know, the shame part in those 20s, like you were talking about, the definition of who I was and what I was about was an entirely different measuring stick um, than it is today. All right. So um, you talk about it, and it was in the testimonial video, I know, but you talked about having a mentor. And so mentorship seems something that's really important, not just for you to have a mentor. And, and you did talk about having like uh, women having women mentors and men having men mentors and maybe they can cross over but I do feel like there's something you need somebody that's gone through what you're going through and I do think some things are can be helpful to have somebody in the same gender mm -hmm. but you also actually have turned that around and are mentoring people as well and yeah. you do that in a, a couple different ways but can you talk about why mentoring has been impactful to you and why yeah how, how it's yeah. played a role. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, if you're listening to this right now and you don't have a mentor in your life, you're following yourself. And that's a, that's a, that's a, that can be a scary and um, a, a spot that you want to get out of as soon as possible. Um, a, a really enriched, abundant life. You're going to have, you're going to have two things um, that you need to have present in your life. In order to have, if you, if you want to have influence in your life, if you want to make a difference in your life, if you want to do things strategically in your life, if you want to get results in your life, um, you got to have an upline. You got to have somebody pouring into you. You got to have mentors. As well as 
there's somebody always dying to be in your spot and would love to have the knowledge that you have. So you need to have a downline. You got to be pouring into somebody that's in need of it. That's the entire reason why we're here is to not just get, but to, to give not only financially, not only with our time, but also with our knowledge and what we know. So the, the, the guys that have poured into me and had the biggest influence on my life are guys that I was and continue to be very intentional about and, and mentors that I will never be out of. Um, so much to the point that once I realized, you know, at age 28, I had already been in business and running, um, a publishing company and design and basically an agency for, for 14 years. And, you know, by the time I got in my thirties and got close to my forties, I'm like, man, it's time to start giving this away because there's an old saying that, um, you know, you want to get your life to a point where your fruit grows on other people's trees. Mm. And the only way that's going to happen is if you start cultivating relationship with others and pouring into them and helping them out. And so I reached that point and that's why I created NOAA University. Um, and then I also co-created masters.life. Mm-hmm. Two platforms that allow um, folks that don't have a mentor to be able to get a mentor uh, NOAA University is very tactical, very building your story, helping you discover your story, build your brand, your platform, and then build your audience. Masters.life is going to be about um, life holistically, uh, everything from your spiritual mind, body, soul, and spirit, your parenting, your marriage, your, um, your kingdom work, and how you can leverage your time, talent, and treasure that have eternal results. So I wanted to be able to provide a space for individuals um, that we're going to be able to provide them with all the strategies in the playbook, getting them to bear fruit and impact way sooner than it took me and the time that it took me to do it. So these are the resources. These are the platforms that provide that stability to somebody's life where they can get a mentor, but then have a community of other, um, other people that are in the same world that they're in. So, I had to create NOAA University because I wanted to do life with creatives that were living life on purpose, that wanted to share ideas, wanted to have collaboration, wanted to look for jobs together, wanted to be able to um, help one another out. And I live by a saying that, um, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. Hmm. And um, that is so true when it comes to collaboration and when you help one another out. Creatives, on the most part, because it's ideas typically try to keep things closed chested and try to keep things like, Oh, I'm not going to share this technique. I'm not going to share this business practice, you know, cause they're going to steal from me or take my techniques or I'm not going to win. Um, you know, this is, this is, that's a life in scarcity mode and you're not going to get very much done and you're not going to be able to get much done, not just financially in your work, but also with others. You're not going to be able to get much traction and influence in the lives. If you're keeping everything closed chested and living from a scarcity posture. So my encouragement would be, if you like the results that you're getting in life, just keep doing exactly what you're doing. But if you have that tug at your heart and at your gut where you're going, you know what? I know there is more to what is currently happening right now. I see results in other people's lives, but I'm not getting that fruit. I'm not getting those results or I'm not getting that. How do I put this together? Mm. Uh, a life well lived. And is it possible for me to collaborate with others that could really help me win and I can help them win? Right. So. so do you feel like it matters that I guess I feel like being brought up in church, we were like, granted, this is what maybe I was taught was like, you need a mentor that's also a female, but for me or woman or whatever, I mm-hmm. feel like I've been 
I get, there aren't as many women that I can look at now spiritually. Yes, absolutely. There are people I can look at, but business wise, there aren't as many that are maybe in that creative field. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, do you feel like it, it matters? I mean, I'm doing Noah university, so you're my mentor, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a good question. And mentors are, um, they're different. I pref- I prefer to try to stick to uh, out of respect for my out of respect for my wife. Mm. Um, res- uh, try to stick to um, to male mentors that are in my life, specific. But also at the same time, I'm not close to the idea of a female mentor. I just would need to make sure that there's boundaries and parameters set in place where I would, um, you know, I I work overtime to make sure that my wife feels secure in that. But it's just whatever's appropriate, keeping things in the know. You know, I have girls that are on my team that work for me. Um, So there's just a a level of respect there. Now, if if this female was to have an incredible amount of wisdom and knowledge and um, something that would definitely benefit me, um, I don't, I don't see any downside to that. I would just say when it's somebody of the opposite sex, make sure that you, you know, especially if you're in a long-term relationship mentor, that can be a little bit of a potential blind spot because it doesn't, um, when, when you're doing mentoring, you're disclosing a, a majority part of yourself to that person. So you want to make sure that even though the intimacy is there, that you're never more on a, an emotional intimacy more than you are with your spouse and or your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. It's just a respect issue. So, like, and, and dude, you can still do the mentoring thing where it's like, you know, I could say, hey, babe, we're going to go out to eat with this woman and her husband and um, we're really going to unpack, you know, some really big topics and it, it, it'll be even great having you there. So there's those kind of opportunities too. So I don't think to rule that out altogether saying, you know, don't get mentored by somebody of the opposite sex. I think it's absolutely appropriate. It's just Put yourself in your spouse's shoes and the people that you're doing life with and just, you know, take that two second pause and double check and say, hey, is there anything that could could uh, justify or, or, or create an unjustified um, uh, insecurity or how would I want to be treated personally if I was in the same exact position? So that's all it is. It's just a, it's just a healthy check and balances. Right. I think that's great. And I also think that's a great check for us to do as we mentor people. I mean, as a teacher, I have to mentor everybody. It doesn't matter what gender they are. And so, but there is boundaries. And I think understanding your boundaries and knowing exactly what you said about being most intimate with your partner and not with um, a mentor or a mentee, I guess. Right. And the other great thing is though too, is like, even if you did disclose something that was really, you know, really, um, really important and poignant or whatever, or intimate, you know, with Chantel, um, even with text or social media or whatever, and I'm getting messages and all that. I, I, I live by this rule and uh, a lot of the, my team, we run with this, this idea, everything in the light, we call it full exposure, meaning mm-hmm. n- nothing hides. There's no hiding. There's no secrecy. It's all in the light. So, you know, it'd be like, Hey baby, just, you know, I just had this great, conversation back and forth or this phone call or this dialogue with this person here it is check it out look at it you know it's like just that overly everything's in the light there's never a second guess there's just it's just a great way to live man Uh, the last thing i need is another preoccupation (laughs) yeah it's nice to have it's nice to have that most special relationship be that open that you can share all those things. I think, and I I think that's something people can work toward. And if they're not like that with their spouse or their partner, then they should probably be like that with other people or maybe they're not whatever. Anyway, I get it. I get it. 
Yeah, but I think it's important to mention because I feel like um, if I was just looking for women entrepreneurs that have been, I feel like there are, there are definitely, and I have def but if I'm trying to have in relationship where me, I'm actually sharing, not just talking to a, a screen, not like this kind of screen talk, but you know what I mean? Like it's not just a one way that it's mm -hmm. actually a two way. I think that um, you just need to be careful on who, who you ask. And also you have, I think the other thing is having a mentor that actually isn't um, over ex overspread, right? So that they're taking time mm -hmm. for you so that they can invest so that you're not just investing, investing, investing in them, that they're also going to be able to, and that's totally. the same way when you take on mentees, right? Yes. And, 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 and let me speak into this regarding ment a mentor and mentee relationship. You know, so like I said before, if you're following yourself, you know, if you don't have a mentor, you're following yourself and that's, that can, that can become trouble over time. Second of all, um, I would encourage you to realize that if you want to go far, um, you're going to, if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. And that's, it's an old proverb. And the idea that the meetings that I've had, the, the people that I've talked to, the mentors that I've, I've talked to, you know, the, that old saying that if you move your life by one degree now, the trajectory and the results of your life, you end up in an entirely different spot by the end of your life. So, you know, it's like, you know, it can be here and you're on this line, but if you just change and alter your course, you know, it can end up massive um, results of difference at the end of your life. And for the life, the kind of life that I wanted to be, be able to get, the kind of money I want to be able to make, the kind of thing, the marriage I want to be able to have, the parenting I want to be able to have, the work I wanted to work on, the people that I wanted to work with, that sort of life um, requires intentionality mm. and requires serious counsel. The most incredible, impactful leaders that I've ever met, crushing it in the business world, crushing it in all areas of their life, have incredible mentors pouring into them. Not just on an accountability, but in a sounding board and they're also giving you the fast track of how to get to that success sooner, which is why I, that's why I created no university. I'm like, dude, if I can get it, if I can get a artist, creative photographer, filmmaker, restaurateur, if I can get them making revenue sooner, freed up sooner, working on the right, right work sooner, more time with their family sooner, why wouldn't I want to do that? Why would people want to do that? So, you know, it's amazing because you go, um, you know, I charge a per hour rate for some people that aren't in it or they just want to do a brush up on, um, you know, do a Skype call or get some mentorship or whatever. And so I do an hourly rate on Skype calls for consulting and then day rates, et cetera. And some people go, gosh, that's so expensive. I'm like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that you're putting a price on wisdom that will forever change the outcome of your life, your family's well-being, the success of you as a business person. And it's like people just, just, just um, they devalue themselves and thinking they're not worth it. I've had conversations that took five minutes that were such an epiphany change that forever my life will be changed. You know, saying no to this line of work saying yes to that line of work, saying no to these sorts of relationships, et cetera. You don't just do that by winging it. You cannot wing this life. You can't just wait to see what happens in this life. For the kind of life that I need to live to get the results that I want to be able to get, it requires mentors, 
me pouring also into others, having a plan and a strategy mm-hmm. to carry out every single day of every single week of every single month and every single year. Down to the point where you can predict your income, where you can predict the amount of hours that you're going to work. And, th- you know, so people just think that people get lucky or success just happens. Success is planned. It's right. premeditated. Um, a movie doesn't just come out. Right. You know, it takes and, five right. years to do a movie. Or an athlete, right? There's days and days and extra hours just yeah. spending. And that's what we have to be as well. Yeah. Um, so when did you start writing and when was it, when were you writing daily? And then we'll answer that one. Yeah. I started journaling heaviest through my, in the nineties, it was really my most frustrating time and a lot of identity crisis in 2000, 1999, 2000, I started journaling heavy, uh, three pages daily. Um, it became a really good discipline. Uh, then I started realizing because I'm a serious hacker of time and life um, in terms of how to hack time mm-hmm. and productivity and, and, and uh, strategic living. Uh, I then started doing blog posts. You know, that's where the internet caught up and um, you know, we caught up to the internet. It caught up to us. And we we're trying to figure out solutions. And, and then I started doing blogs. So my blog, I started doing blogging, which then I started realizing, Hey man, you know, my course is essentially my blogs. My blogs are essentially my course. And I started getting more strategic on how and what content I was putting out. And then, you know, videos as well, um, which then started like, hey, I need to create a book. And so the first book was Speed Bumps, which you can get for free on the front of my site. Uh, if you just set up my mailing list. So um, you can get Speed Bumps. That's, and that's my testimony. Speed Bumps, Speed Bumps was written out of me sitting on planes with nothing really to do. And I thought, well, if I'm flying around the world, I might as well sit here and create a story that somebody could use as an opportunity to get to know me. And it's a glorified business card Hmm. and it heightens your brand. And it's a great way to kind of show your product off as a person, as, as as somebody who takes themselves seriously. Hmm. You can start adding the fact that you're a published author to your arsenal. It can get really, really good for your brand. So I made those, I self-published them, I still self-publish them, and then I hand them out to clients that I meet or people that I meet on a plane or if I'm at a conference. And um, it's a great way to, to on-ramp people onto who you are and what your brand is and what you're all about. And um, the writing became a way for me to heal. I believe mm-hmm. writing is a way for everybody to heal. And um, there's something to be said about when you have a thought and when you tactically mm-hmm. um, bring that to life with, with pen and paper. Versus just typing it. So a lot of my, a lot of my blog or a lot of my journaling now is sketches along with strategies, written architecture of the brands and sequencing of the business and um, ideas for painting thumbnails. Um, And really what's that time? It's just intentional time on yourself, intentional time on your heart. Kind of like a, a litmus test, a daily kind of understanding where you are, what you're doing. Yeah. Even, even if you're saying, Hey, I don't know what I need to be doing. It's yeah. Stating that. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the best things that one of the best ways to describe, um, uh, journaling is, as a purge. Mm. Uh, you know, we run around a lot all, all day with the, with the Ram of our brain and that Ram has so many applications open in so many different thoughts all the time that you're literally going to start bogging down. And that's when we get fried. That's when we get stressed. Do an experiment with yourself for one week 
just one week, take five business days and wake up a little bit earlier. I want you, I want you to give yourself as an experiment and I want you to um, post it on Instagram or, or, or do something, some sort of way of on, on Twitter or whatever, but hashtag um, Noah Journal. Just do hashtag Noah Journal. I want you to do an experiment with yourself. Post a picture of your journal set out there, your coffee, light a candle, turn on some little chill music, quiet. Maybe you don't even want any music, but I just want to see what happens to your creativity by being intentional with yourself for about an hour in the morning. Go to bed a little bit earlier, maybe more earlier than you would think. And some people say, I work best at night. I'm going to journal at night. Don't do that. Go to bed. Like, don't do TV at night. Just ramp your day down. Get in bed. Get your soul quiet. Wake up a little bit earlier where you have that nice hour, maybe 15 minutes before that. Give yourself before that hour. So you might need to be up an hour and a half earlier. I don't know. But all I'm telling you is this. Watch what happens. Watch what happens with the breakthrough. And start posting them or maybe just say, hey, massive breakthrough today. And maybe that's something that you want to share. But I would look, you know, do that hashtag. And I would love to see uh, kind of what your feedback is or what sort of breakthroughs you have. And here's what I find is interesting. Why do we do this? Because our heart needs it. There's a kid inside of you, which is why I created the brand, the kid in me. There's a kid inside of every single one of us that is begging to have the freedom to play in the sandbox without any judgment, without any criticism, and without anybody looking over their shoulder saying, you can't do that. Right. You having that time to yourself and being intentional with yourself in the morning is one of the greatest ways that you can love on yourself. Hmm. Then give yourself permission to be able to purge. And at first it'd be like, I don't, I'm feeling like this, this is stupid, it's lame, why am I doing this, you know, whatever. And then you're just kind of going through the monotony. But the moment that you give yourself about a good hour, you run out of things to write within like the first 10 minutes. And then you really have to start listening to your heart. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the question that I would ask yourself is, listen, what is... Hey, heart, what do you need today? How are you feeling right now? What's going on? And that could be, I feel like crap. I feel like I want to go get an ice cream. I feel like you've abandoned me. I feel like, you know, just listen to what your heart is saying. Out of that stuff, meaning out of your pain, typically it's going to reveal the most truest parts of of who you are. Meaning like if I saw you actually go through this process and out of it, you got a nugget that was super amazing and that like, it was something super personal. And then you took that and did calligraphy about that saying, and you posted that. Right. That is life-giving content to the world. And that's life-giving content to your brand and the people that are following you. When it comes to stuff that you're going to create and stuff that you're going to post, and if it comes out of your journal time in the morning, that is like the well, the well of being able to you go and get the best ideas that you've ever had. So typically we wake up, we then go get in the shower, we grab coffee, we get on our Instagram, we start surfing, 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 surfing. And it's so flipping noisy. That kid has never a time to speak. You'll never hear that voice. You'll never have the opportunity to get those ideas to come to the surface because you've crowded it out with all the noise. So when I really want to go to the well and really get insane creative ideas, it happens from the journal time. So then same, I would think, sounding boards with people when you're talking out issues if you don't have anybody to do a sounding board with they can kind of pick up on something I was talking to Scotty Russell one time and he was like that's a good nugget right there Diane you know and I guess sometimes if you're not ever talking it out 
whether if you haven't done any journaling or, you know, I definitely think you should do both. But I think sometimes sounding it out, maybe it's something you've been writing about, but you're not sure. Because I do, I agree that it's too noisy. And we actually, I have a lot of negative self-talk and it's something I'm working on. And I think that's a keeps pushing you down that um, your work's not good enough. This isn't, nobody's going to like this, things like that. And I think a lot of people, people deal with that and imposter syndrome or, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a constant barrage. Um, but my book, Fear Hunters, is um, was literally me, how I dismantled and removed the, the self-talk and the fear. And it just seems like after you've gotten rid of one, there's another one that kind of rears its head as a video game. But I did not want to live a life of management. Fear Hunters is about um, not management, but elimination. Hmm. So if I address the fear, okay, okay, hold on a second. I'm being told this. Where is that coming from? Where's the source? Okay, there's the source. Okay, I want that gone. What do I have to do in order to get that gone? Where did that, where did that first come into my life and where I made an agreement with that lie or that misbelief or that, that fear? And then you start really drilling down and getting quiet to think about that and to journal that and to go, all right, I want this. And then that's when you're going back down the pit of that nightmare and finding out that moment that happened. And then in the book, I show you how to uh, take compassion on yourself and provide that that passion to the inner child, and that's really you're you're dismantling something from the past to come back to the future. It's like time travel, and then you start realizing that those things no longer have power over you and or influence over you. So it goes from feeling like a you know you're on the football field actually hitting a guy across the you know if you're on foot in football and you're hitting that guy across the line from you, and now sounds like it's a guy from you know the sidelines or it might be somebody that's in the stands right you know we're going to have danger in our life no matter what it's it's a question of whether we're going to buy into the danger and creating these false evidences of 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 um fears and and think that it's more than it actually is danger is danger fear is option but i also think that god is bigger than that if god wanted to do something he could make you could walk on water there's in that's where that faith comes in that you know i think i have to remind myself of that often you know like that god is bigger than this if but so in a struggle like we've had a house to sell for eight years and i'm like but if god wanted us to sell that house it would have been sold already so there's something he's teaching me or there's something i'm learning even though i don't like this journey and i've t- I talked about this before with on design recharge about uh david as a shepherd mm-hmm. he was he was there and i'm sure that he didn't want to be um it, having to deal with having to manage all these sheep and then this bear or this lion's coming over mm-hmm. and i'm sure he was like lord take this away and that's what we all do we say just take it away but mm-hmm. i feel like and I, I feel like it's just, you're not alone. Even though you feel like you're alone, you're not alone. And I guess mm-hmm. for me, that's um, a message. I want to make sure people get across that God puts people in your life, but he also is there. When mm-hmm. you feel, you know, when you're in the middle of that struggle. Yeah. 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 No, it's a, you're not, a, you're not alone in that, but it's a part of a process. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at Paul who was, you know, making tents and he had influence in all these different cities all over the Mediterranean. And as he took the gospel and the message, as he roamed throughout the Mediterranean, you know, I, I find, I find it really hard to believe that he was only doing ministry on one day a week. Um, the Lord wants us to use our entire life as an entire portfolio 
of ministry, not just in a certain area of our life. It's, it's um, in all areas of our life. And so when I sit here and go, oh man, I'm in this mundane job working for freelance, as a freelance artist or doing work for higher stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, buddy, you get to use that as an opportunity to underwrite your dream of whatever you want on the side. And typically what I find is I got freelancers that are completely squandering and wasting the time outside their job when they could be building the dream or the agency or creating the work or trying to experiments or whatever they want to do on the side, but they're resenting what they got to do on the daily. Um, and really, like you're saying with the house and that whole idea of, man, I'm, I'm, you know, this eight years, you know, should have been, should it, why should it take this long? Why is it not happening? Well, you know, it's the same thing with like, why isn't this person that I'm supposed to marry coming into my life? Why isn't the dream job? Coming into my right. life? If I can go to bed at the end of the day, knowing that I've done a hundred percent, everything that I possibly can, mm. uh, which in, in terms of my part to show up so that God can show up and do his part. If I can go to bed with peace of mind that I've done everything I possibly can, then I'm good. And I just got to, I have to say, Hey, while I'm in the process, I need to, I need to remain faithful and I re- need to remain obedient and do what's in front of me and do that as well as possible so that when it does hit, I have that full assurance that I've done my part and I can live with that, with that assurance and not live with regret. You know, you look at Noah taking 150 years to build the boat and then it rained and it rained in a place that had never rained before. Right. So here's this guy that's got all these building materials dropped off uh, in a place where it's never rained. And everybody that's coming around him is saying, you're out of your flipping mind, dude, you're wasting your time. It's never rained here. What is rain? And you're looking to build something. Well, take 150 years. You would think by year 22, if I'm Noah actually sitting there doing it, I'd probably be be, Go, okay, I've been at this 22 years. <laughs> By year 40, I might be saying that. By a, a year 100, I might be saying that. Right. But he remained faithful. He remained obedient. His reward wasn't here earthly. He was working a bigger plan that had eternal results. The, whether it rained or not, whether the flood came or not, it has less to do about that. It has to do with being told, uh, doing what we're, we're, what we're told to do. And what I want to be able to do is at the end of my, at, during my life and at the end of my life, I want the reassurance that I've fulfilled, called, created the work, done the design, done the painting, done the relationship with my clients, managed the family and managed the portfolio that God's entrusted to our lives with peace of mind, meaning I'm doing the right thing. My job is to do what's right. My job is not to care about the results. I have no control over the results. However, my job is to know with peace of mind at the end of the day and at the end of the week, did I do what was right? Is what I'm, is the work that I'm doing right? And does it please him? Does it glorify him? Is my life an act of worship back to him as a result of the way that I'm conducting myself? That's peace of mind. And I believe that's what everybody wants, but everybody else has their success and their barometer for success based on a measuring stick that is not eternal. They're looking at it from a worldly standpoint. How much money is in the bank? Right. Is my wife happy because we're providing for the family because we've got this, you know, there's this list of what culture advertises is successful. So I do not judge myself on any, on a earthly currency. Mm-hmm. I have to look at it from a, a more longer play and you know, we're only here for a short while. However, eternity is a very long time and that's going to dictate that eternity is dictated how I respond down here. So what are you willing to defer long-term 
versus short-term comfort. I want it where I need it the most. And so um, if we're a designer, if we're working on the work, if we're listening to fears, listen, why did I hunt fear? Why did I write a book? Why did I start writing? Why did I want to get this crap out of my life? Because every single day I kept buying into fear and lies and all that stuff was another day I was kept from bearing fruit. So watch this now really quick. Eternity is a long time, a very long time. What I do down here determines the condition of eternity. So what do I want to do while I'm down here? Get out of slavery, get out of being on the hamster wheel listening to lies so that can be what freed up completely available to work on the right work to produce the biggest results and to vert and to defer as many things as I can to where I'm going to need it the most. Hmm. So that is my motivation. That is my compulsion. And that is a, that is to me a life well lived because every decision that I make is through that filter. Hmm. Will what I'm going to do today at this easel end up in a shredder or end up in an eternal vault? Is this time I'm going to go spend mentoring this person going to be a spending my time or investing my time? And I do feel like God blesses us. Like he, like the Lamborghini guy, like you had put in all this stuff. You just really trusted that God wanted you to put your journal pages on canvas. And it was, this was time. This was effort. You had no idea if these were going to sell. You had faith that God knew, but it, but again, and how long were you waiting? You didn't have to wait that long. You know, it wasn't 100, 250 years or 40 years that I feel like we need to, I need to take those steps of faith right now and say, you know what I feel like, but I feel like we can't take those steps of faith unless, unless we know what we're supposed to be doing. And it is quieting and putting out some of that noise. So I know I've heard you say, you know, check your email twice a day and try not to be living by, um, social media and what other people are thinking. Um, I do think that there's, you have to have some kind of understanding of where, if things are being successful, but I also feel like um, there are tools to use, you know, and, and you just have to enlist those tools. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, um, they said, well, what's really the difference? And I said, well, I don't want to build a house with a hammer. I'd rather build it with a screwdriver that's electric, you know, because I can do it faster. It does more what I need. Now, there will there be a time where I need a hammer? Yes. But it's like each tool that we're given, we have to know when to use it. We can't just think that it's that tool every day, every way. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm not making sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it does. It does make sense. And the only way that that's going to happen is if, if you have a plan and a strategy. And listen, God gives each one of us the same amount of hours in, in the week. Right. We all have a life. We brought nothing into it. We will take nothing out of it. However, what we do while we're in that beginning and end time, depending on our health, how long we stay here, etc., we're supposed to do one. Th our, our, we all have the same exact calling, and that is to love God, love people, and make disciples. How we do that is where our unique genius of calling comes in. You know, today's thing is about calling. How do you know if you're in your calling? Hmm. You know you're in your calling when your purposes collide with your passions, which then collide with your potential. And when you get those three things in sync with each other, 
you start living in the sweet spot. Well, what's the sweet spot for an artist and as a creative? For me, here's where I had to fall into. I will know that I'm in the sweet spot when I'm doing the least amount of work possible, mm-hmm. the most money that I've ever made, while doing what it is I do best. What is it I do best? Well, I had to dig down and find what that was, and I had to take some time and go through a process of discovery. Doing podcasts with a spoken word, mentoring with a spoken word, writing books and or curriculum to help people, painting a picture, doing a drawing, filming a video. Anything outside of that is an absolute mismanagement of my time. So when an opportunity comes in, hey, does it match any of my strengths of my my calling is and increase the kingdom? If it matches three of my my strengths and increases the kingdom, I'll most likely say yes. If this is just another shiny thing that really looks great, maybe provides a little bit of money, but no real eternal value, well, it depends on how fast I can do it. If it brings me 10 grand in three hours, I'll probably do it. But 10 grand over the course of 30 days, no. It's nothing I could use on my time. Because there's other things I can do to produce more of an effect on an eternal and also a monetized level. So unless you have a mentor, unless you are taking the time to drill down on yourself and find out the plan so that you can live in your sweet spot of your calling. Mm. And, and basically that's your genius. Mm. And you can say, well, I don't know what my genius is. Yeah. Cause you never stop to actually take a look at it and, or have the right person to help you discover it. So I totally understand what it's like to feel like you want to climb Mount Everest and you're looking at it, but you don't know the first place to find a guide and anybody that's already climbed it or the right equipment to get to use. But you know you've got a passion to climb that mountain. So I get it. And you're not alone in that. So, um, yeah, calling calling is absolutely paramount. The biggest tragedy for me as a person that has had their entire life here and completely missed out on their calling and the entire reason why they were put here. That's a tragedy. Hmm. Well, so what if somebody felt like they didn't, one, you'd tell them to get a mentor, two, you'd tell them to start drilling down? Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Nothing's going to change if nothing changes. Hmm. So what about people? So what I hear a lot from people in in my community is that they're working a 40-hour a week. Sometimes it's design-related, sometimes it's not, and they're tired. They're literally tired, but really to get out, you have to do something else in that off time. And I feel like things like design recharge uh, is a recharger to me. So it gives me more excitement or more, it, it fuels a passion and it doesn't feel like work. So, but it's hard to get people, it's kind of like a depression where you're way down in the hole and you don't really know how to get out. So what would you what would you tell somebody um, that needed to, they wanted to get out, but they didn't feel like they knew how they just feel really in the dark. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, they got to step out of it. So I'm going to go and talk with people that are out of it and are getting the results that I want. I mean, for some people that could be a person at their church for some people that could be, you know, um, going into no university or masters.life, you know, you can do an entire month for free and, and kick the tires on it and, and make sure that it's a good fit. But I'll tell you what, I, when it comes to getting out of the funk or getting out of the depression or whatever, that's because you're, ran, you're running out of options. Mm. 
And that can be depressing. I'm out of options and I have no answers. Mm. What you need is some hope. Mm. Um, how do you get hope? You go looking for it in people that have it. Mm. And um, I had to run with those folks that had the results or were getting the results that I wanted. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an investment. It's an investment part in, in and of yourself. Um, mentorship Mentorship is, a, is a, um, a way of doing life where you're living outside yourself, you're turning yourself in and you're saying, listen, I don't want to get more comfortable. Mm. I want to get better. Mm-hmm. And so what I've, told, what I've told folks is, listen, I'm not here. Don't get in to know you. Don't go into masters.life. Don't come in here and just get more knowledge and have a book and put it on yourself. The only, the, only way, the only way that, you know, knowledge that you read, you know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power if you use it. Mm-hmm. I got to write that one down. Wow. That one is good. You can write it from the recording. So uh, Brian, Brian asked a really good question. He says, I hear find a mentor phrase a lot. And I know where to look um, or what to look for to find a mentor. For, to find a mentor. For those who don't know, what might – what might they look for or where could they look? So. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get it from people that are just going to make me feel better. We're not, I, I keep coming back to that. Mentors aren't here to make you feel better. This should be, this should be majorly challenging to disrupt your life and ripping the bandaid off. Getting exposed, drilling down on the core issues of where maybe you have some fractures in the foundation of what your life is built on. Maybe we need to shore up what the foundation is. Then we can go back to restoring or rebuilding that house that you have on top of it. Maybe we're adding on a few rooms. Maybe we're expanding this entire life of yours. And then before we start having people over and doing life in collaboration with the people on the life that you've built, mm-hmm. you've got to understand what the message is that you're conveying and the word that mm-hmm. you're putting there. So the mentors that you're choosing need to be able to provide you with the, that accurate detail of what life is really about. Life coaches or coaches? What are coaches? They're there for a season. I'm not looking for a coach for a season. I'm looking for a coach. I'm looking for a mentor for my life. Mm. And so I want to do life with those people that understand me through the seasons. Mm-hmm. That can say, oh, yeah, I remember when you were having kids and we were in that season and you were able to come out of that season into this next. And we were able to see and people that walk this journey with you. You got to have somebody that knows you. It's kind of hard to come in and say, "Hey, here, get caught up on thirty years of my life, and then I'm going to come in and elite." Right. So, a mentor is vital into helping discover and cultivate and expose your kingdom calling. So, Hiba says, "How do you approach someone to become your mentor?" You, I mean, you you ask, but you come specifically with what you want to see. Um, you asked specifically with what you want to get work on. Hey, my name is Noah. Um, right now, I feel my biggest weak spot and blind spots in my life. And I'm just going to pull a couple of hypotheticals out of here. Um, I'd really love, um, here are the areas that I really want to improve in on my life and I think are hurting the most. And you got to be honest with it. Otherwise, you're bullcrapping, you're lying to people. But you could say, um, I really want to learn how to serve my kids better. How could I love my kids better? And how could I be a better parent? Oh, so if it's not you, who do you suggest that is an absolute ninja when it comes to parenting and uh, cultivating an insane relationship and great results with their children? Second one might be, you know, 
I've got my finances handled, but I got to hand them off. I don't trust anybody. And I really want to be able to have my business optimized so that I can just focus on my creativity and have the finances running in the background and taken care of by somebody that I can trust. So I could use some mentoring in that area, you know, mentoring uh, on the, on the last part. I want to be able to have somebody that I can come to once a month for a check-in. I'll buy coffee, breakfast or lunch, my treat, but I need one hour per month that I can come and really just go down the list of things that I'm going through, a listening ear, a trusted person, um, and, and so on. You build the menu, the a la carte menu, and you go specifically to what it is you're looking for, and then extract out of them for that hour. Don't waste their time. Show up early. Get what you need out of them. Do whatever you can to help them win, and so on. So, you know, um, and then by the time you're leaving your meeting, you want to make sure that you have the next meeting booked on your calendar so that you're not wasting your mentor's time again with another email or text saying, when are we going to meet again? So really, a mentorship it would be really good, again, um, for everybody, but it doesn't have to be just one person filling all those voids. You might have one person that's going to help you with parenting or one person, right? That's correct. That's correct. I've had, I've had um, mentors that were incredible businessmen, but terrible as a husband and father. Hmm. I've had mentors that are really good at being a parent, but nothing was attractive to me about their business. Um, my, my two mentors both have it all together and it's very rare to find such a thing. So if you're going to learn from me through NOAA university or masters.life, understand that you're learning basically what my upline has downloaded to me from their upline. Right. Passing it on. Influential leaders, pillars that I've ever met and they have their life. Um, they have their life in order, mental, spiritual, heart, um, mind, body, soul, spirit. They've got their family life together in a priority. They've got their career life in, in order. They know how to leverage their career for their calling. They have a very focused, narrow focus on their approach to their life. And it's a very clear defined purpose behind it. And they're having a blast. There's joy and there's peace. And I mean, when I get around these guys, I want every little bit of it I can possibly get. And, you know, you, you spend around that long enough um, it's going to take place. My mentor says this great thing. He says, you do not become extraordinary under the influence of ordinary people. Mm. And that's a major mic drop for, for him because it's exactly the truth. If you want to become an extraordinary designer, extraordinary influential parent, an extraordinary friend, an extraordinary influencer having kingdom mass results, you're not going to do that hanging around and doing life with ordinary people. It's just not going to happen. Well, I know we're about at the end of your hour and I know you're super busy. And so I, I got another 15 minutes. You okay. fire away, whatever you want. All right. So um, we've kind of talked a little bit about um, fear hunters a little. And so I've shared this link and I want to make sure that people can go and they can, it's um, self-published. So again, you go here and then I'm not really sure how the book rally thing works, but maybe it's like <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter it's, sort of. It's basically, it's basically like Kickstarter. You get rewards, but the cool thing is you get your rewards no matter what, if, if even if I don't meet my goal, but the, I'm asking for people to come and buy the book or upgrade and buy a case or share them and give them away as Christmas presents, et cetera. It'll be out before Christmas. Um, but really, you know, get the book. It's, it's, it's an absolute blueprint and strategy to help dismantle the fears and shame that stand between you and the life you are destined to live. Everything that we're talking about. I go through the three parts of discovering it, um, you know, in terms of defining fear, what our enemy is, how it's fought, where he fights, 
The, the second part is dismantling it, going how to, learning how to disarm the bomb and having a strategy mm. for any time that it creeps up to be able to get this crap out of the way so that you can get back to productivity. Now, the third part's the most exciting because what is life going to look like for you when you've got all this ample time mm. and headspace because you've been freed up? And imagine that thermometer, it used to be maxed and you've just been managing all this, but what if that thermometer came down and you've got all this open capacity for amazing opportunity and your calling and your sweet spot to come into your life? Well, what's the strategy behind that? Why are you going to go out and do the things that you're going to do? What is the filters and the decision-making processes? This is my game plan and blueprint of what happened to me over 30 years and how I started getting the results and um, getting things out of the way. And so I want people to have that freedom. I want you to have that freedom. Um, that's not going to happen by just um, hoping that it happens one day. So Fear Hunters is literally a manual, a blueprint, an action plan for um, having that strategy to get those things removed and then just step into freedom and uh, ultimately who you're supposed to be. And then you also have a th three free video series for NOAA University and the NOAA University is open. And this is something that's delivered monthly. Um, you have modules and then you're doing, um, so, but it's a whole year long thing. And then yeah. it, I guess, does it kind of culminate at a reimagine or is the reimagine kind of separate? But I know there's. No, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a great question. So NOAA University, uh, you'll do life with me weekly. Uh, we also have a private community on Facebook where members from all over the globe are doing life together. Um, in collaboration. Uh, uh, so every single week, I'll send you a module, like week one of every month, I'll give you a masterclass. Week mm -hmm. two, the blueprint to dive down deep on that. Week three, an interview with another creative, and I just drill them for all the information that we can get off of their wins and their failures. And then week four, we're doing a, a conference call where you get to actually ask me, right. I mean, what we're doing here today is a is a webcast, right? Well, what if you could have me in your corner and you could ask me whatever questions you want to help you win every single month? And so even if you miss the call, you get to, um, you get to rewatch that call and listen to it back. However, the number one thing that everybody wants with me in mentorship is being able to have access to me and ask me questions. So I provide the, I provide those answers on the coaching call every single month. Um, and we, those end up, I always say an hour, it always ends up being almost two hours every single time because we have so many questions, but here's the benefit. Every single thing that you ask and all the other questions that others are asking, you all get to learn from each other's questions. That's the most beautiful part about right. doing life and collaboration. So if you're looking for a mentor, you need one. I'd love to be yours and I'd love to help you win. And I'd love um, to be in your corner. Um, but it's not going to happen on its own. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm willing to help you dig, but you have got to be willing to grab that shovel and dig. We'll do this together, but you've got to participate. Right. And those folks, listen, those folks that have done the mentorship have seen increased productivity, narrow a focus on where they're supposed to, where they're supposed to spend their time and their talent and their treasure. The decision making process for whatever initiative they're going to do becomes way more clear. Um, they're making more revenue because they're working on the right products, creating the right tiers of products and having strategies behind it. They have a game plan for marketing. They have a clear sense of their identity and who they are and what they have to offer. So they're not shopping something they shouldn't be shopping. Right. Um, 
these are all the great, great things that you're going to learn if that's something that you want to do. The cool thing was this. I, we came out of Noah University and we're like, dude, we, guys, we got to have a meetup once a year. <laughs> and that's how uh, Reimagine came to play. Reimagine is a creative conference, which is basically entrepreneurs, dreamers, and doers. Those that are leaning in on their life, they're looking for more. I brought in all my guys that are my mentors and collaborators that I'm doing life with, designers, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, um, leaders that are going to help me get better, not more comfortable. And um, again, you can wait for success to show up later on, but let, let me just tell you this. Between Noah University, Masters.life, Reimagine Conference, Fear Hunter's book, um, you're going to have game plans and strategies to put into play. Now, here's, here's one thing that... Um, Here's one thing that I want to I want to share that's a, as a great strategy, of, you know, one that I live by a lot. You're going to be born and you're going to you know go through adolescence, etc. And let's say you you go out into the world at 18 or 20. So let's just call that two batches of 10. Mm-hmm. You're one to 10. You're 10 to 20. So that's a portion of your life. And if you draw this in your journal, it's going to be staggering and sobering to your your mind. 20 to 30, you're going to try to wield and, 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 and um, really work on your craft, meaning the, the, the technical skill of whatever it is you want to do. Meanwhile, you're thinking about a relationship. And meanwhile, you're also thinking about where you can apply that craft. In your 30s, you finally get to live out exactly what it is you want to do in terms of I'm now getting paid to do something that I hopefully love. And if it's just to get a job so I can support my family, I'm going to work this passion on the side. Hmm. And that's typically what's going to happen on your 30s. At 40s, that next chunk of 10, you're going to start to realize I have earning potential only for a certain amount of time. Hmm. Now, I want you to be encouraged by my, my learning and my, what I've experienced is this. This is what I wish every single um, and this is what I wish ever. Uh, this is what I wish I would have received when I was 18. But it was this: if you remove retirement out of the picture and you start looking about the chunks of 10 that you have in your life to produce, why would I ever retire? Listen to this: why would I ever retire? Why would you ever retire when you are the smartest you've ever been? Know the, peop- know the most people that you'll ever know, be the best person at your craft, hmm. and be able to have the, the earning potential because of how long you've been doing your craft. So mo- the world advertises you to you know, get married or get, you know, get in this world, get, 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 get a job, get a wife, get a, get a relationship, get a house, get, get a life, right? And then once midlife, how can I gather as much as I possibly can to get as comfortable as I can to coast my way to death? Mm. The last thing I want to get here is comfortable. My life is going to end on an upswing. I'm literally going to break the ceiling of limitations and I'm going to do it. Literally, I hope and pray that in my 70s, 80s, my black book has expanded to thousands and thousands of people. Mm. More people exposed to my brand, more people exposed to the books, more people exposed to your life. Hmm. This idea of 
let me get, let me be as scarce as possible. Get, 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 get as comfortable as possible to just get quiet and coast on a sandy beach. That equals to me boredom. Mm. When you have purpose in your life and you know exactly what you're supposed to do, you exactly know why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, and the results that you need to produce while you're here. Dude, I want to do everything to get as much time as possible. So remember those chunks of 10. Hmm. I start looking at how many, how many batches I've got left. <laughs> so when you do life in that way, you wake up with purpose. You Sleep and eating is an inconvenience to me. Right. And it is because yeah. there are things to do. We are right. going for broke. I don't get to take anything with me where I'm going to deposit everything into the kingdom. How am I going to get it into the kingdom if I'm on the right initiatives? So when I go to bid a job and people go, hey, how much is it for that thing? 10 grand when I would normally charge five. Man, that seems expensive. Well, that's what it's worth. And here's why. Because my job is to be able to create as much money as I possibly can to be able to give as much of it away as possible. Oh, that's an entirely different reason. And then when I go back to the studio, I'm not saying this means a lot if I spend 45 hours on this piece. You want to know how fast I want to get this piece done in four hours. Why? Because I just made 10 grand in four hours. Not right. four. So you guys, if you can, if you're getting wind of what I'm talking about here, it's how can we strategically hack our life to create more impact doing what it is we love with the people that we love and the, and, and literally a tribe that gets us. So no university is a safe haven for creatives that are living, looking to do life on purpose. And when you start talking in this dialogue, people are going to think that you're insane. I literally had to create a space where it was like Tarzan seeing his own people. <laughs> it's just, I had to have that community. So, and Diane, that's why I appreciate you and love you so much for the, the, the environment that you've created and you're pouring in. You didn't have to do this, but you are doing it. And that is an absolute gift to us as creatives and you're being intentional. So we, we wouldn't get information like this had you not stepped up and stepped out in faith. Well, I do feel like when, when you are called to do something, and you do it, the, it has made, just doing design recharge, interviewing people for four years every week has made an impact on my design, but it's also made an impact on other people. I was talking to somebody today and I was like, you know, I have somebody who might really be good work. You might want to work with her. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking anything. I just think it's good. Like that might be a really good fit for that person as for a job. And I feel like I do. I feel like we need to help each other more. Yeah. As people, and no, we didn't even make it. <laughs> we no, made hit it. Like what's what's your next one? Hit me with. The I know, next but one. I have a I have a meeting that I have to go to oh, okay. with like the provost, and so I like have to like run, but I can do it. I can make it in four minutes. But maybe we can do a part two sometime. I'd love to talk to you after the reimagined conference. I am committing to going next year, and I'm mm-hmm. so excited that um, Shane's going to be one of the speakers. I love Shane. He's such an inspiration. So he's amazing. He is. So um, anyway, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for just bringing it and explaining it. And I'm really excited kind of to dig in. And maybe we can, in the middle of NOAA University for me, we can kind of bring you back in and kind of talk to you about, and I don't know if you open that up multiple times a year, if it's yeah. just kind of a... Yeah, you're, basically anytime you, any anybody that wants to go to NOAA University, you'll get the free videos, you'll get the prompt to have the option to enroll when you get in. Um, and it's great. You can kick the tires for 30 days. Um, you know, I'll just throw this out. Shane's amazing. Mike Jones is amazing. Um, the community, I... I really just have a heart for creatives in general and just helping people win. I want to see the tide raise for everybody. 
Um, and us creatives are, are a creative bunch and, uh, we're touchy feely, but that's what makes us amazing at what we do. And we see the world and the people and everything in it through a different lens. Mm. And I believe we have an obligation to leverage that creativity. We are ambassadors of good and we're ambassadors of beauty. And, um, it's our calling to bring that out and to leverage that in the right way. So, um, you know, you got people like yourself, Mike, and the creative community in general, um, Gosh, man, we got to keep this thing going. We got to rally and help one another. All I ask um, as, as a result of this is if you're willing to share um, the Fear Hunters page um, or Noah You, where there are people out there dying on the vine that need this info right. and spread this podcast, get it out there for our community to help one another so that we can all win. So. So let's just share. So anybody's listening on a podcast, they haven't been seeing the links coming in. So you can follow Noah at noahelias.net, N-O-A-H. E-L-I-A-S.net. Now, reimagineconference.com is the Reimagine Conference. That's in except, uh, November 17th through 19th, mm-hmm. I believe, right? And mm-hmm. then noahuniversity.com. And then the, the Fear Hunters book, you can go to at bookrally, B-O-O-K-R-A-L-L-Y.com slash campaigns slash fear hunters or you can just go to book rally and look at their campaigns that are on and fear yeah. hunters is one of the first ones at the top yeah and you can also follow noah on facebook at noah fine art and then on instagram at noah.j.elias and then noahfineart.com is another um, place he also mentioned another one of his courses which is masters.life and then also just want to remind people to do the hashtag for hashtag noah journaling he's challenged us to five days of journaling and getting purging getting that stuff out so i hope people i also would love to see if you find a mentor or hey you've asked and if the first person says no just know that maybe they're having boundaries and that they can't do it but also i really feel like don't stop just because you go at the mcdonald's window somebody says hey do you want fries with that and you say no it doesn't mean that they're never going to ask another person if they want fries with that you just haven't asked the right person yet that's right keep asking and fine be don't just give up i think it's those people that are dying on the vine they need some and you've you've got to be go out there and keep fighting for what you believe that you're supposed to be doing so tons more we could go through so thank you again i just really um love hearing you talk and i just know god's using you and i'm so excited that he got to use me through you today awesome Um, so if you want to know more about uh, design recharge or recharging you can always find me at diane at recharging you.com or you can go to recharging you.com or design recharge.org and if you want to um how my phone's going off probably the dean's yep the dean um so um i gotta go but um at design recharge is a way to follow me and you can also follow noah at noah um noah fine art or noah.j.elias so thank you so much and i'm sorry i'm gonna cut it quick today guys so all good thank you so much and i'll see you soon sounds good thank you guys bye guys all right bye